Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Magnetic Attraction, and Organ Hair. Organ Hair. Yeah. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. And not Unsolved Mysteries, as we are almost about to say <laughs> before we yes. recorded this intro. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little groggy today. I'm better than I was yesterday when we were supposed to record. Um Yeah, we didn't even record. We didn't we didn't. Yeah. But now we are today. Yes. But not yesterday. No. Um, like I hadn't slept very well and then I like forgot to eat lunch. And so some point yesterday afternoon, I was just like panic eating ham, Mm -hmm. just like straight out of the deli pack in front of my fridge. And it was just like panic ham. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, are we talking like a ham that was cooked? Not just like sliced ham lunch meat from the deli or? No, it was definitely sliced ham lunch meat. Oh, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So, and then, and then like, and then I was just like fading and then Robbie very graciously decided to help me reschedule so we could do this um, tonight. So the last time we recorded, I think both of us were like feeling very anxious um, and a little burned out because I think it was the night before the U.S. uh, presidential election, if I recall. Really? Oh, man, you might be right. Yeah, so we were like, what's the future going to look like? Well, the answer is the future mostly is the same (laughs) as it was. Mm. Um, You know, obviously, we got a different result this time around, but I think the the general mood is similar to about what it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What an interesting and stupid time to be alive. <laughs> uh, so, so was it this mm-hmm. or the ham that was the thing you said you had to talk about at the start of the show? I wanted to talk about the ham. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a pack. So I've talked about it. I have a package of ham lunch meat that's waiting for me in the, the fridge at, at my workplace. Mm-hmm. For whatever that's worth. Well, what do you, are you? But are you gonna put it on a sandwich, like a civilized? Human? I will. Ham girl. I, I don't know why I'm talking mm-hmm. about this. We got unsolved mysteries to talk about. We gotta talk about this uh, really messy episode of unsolved mysteries. There's only two segments. Yeah. And this, I mean, not including updates because we never talk about updates. But there's only two segments in this whole deal. So and- I guess we really gotta. G- Get into detail. One is significantly Ugh. longer than the other. It's it. Yeah, it was a very uneven experience watching this. Um, yes, it was. So, um, should we do this? Let's do it. Let's talk about attempted murder. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I thought I thought that would be more exciting uh, when it, when it came out. But yes, our first uh, segment takes us. To, it starts out in the I think the 1970s. Uh, I misheard it. Mm-hmm. I actually misheard it. I thought like because it uh, our, our segment uh, involves a woman named Barbara 
meeting this guy named mm-hmm. Richard Menz, and they said they met at a mm-hmm. ski resort, and I misheard it as 1997. I was like, "Oh, weird." Is this a later segment that they're jamming in uh, in, in this fourth season, not uh, you know via Amazon or or whatever? I just I was I was confused. I was like, "That can't," and then. I had to rewatch the episode again to see that it was 1977. I was like, that yeah, makes mm-hmm. some more sense. But uh, uh, this uh, Barbara, she, she when she meets this Richard Men's guy who is he's basically he's a bodybuilder who became a tycoon by mm-hmm. starting a series of gyms. That was it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. This dude's shredded. Yeah, the the actual pictures of the guy do portray a very heavily muscular body. Uh, mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the reenactor in the in the reenactments, he mm-hmm. kind of looked. He reminded me of someone who worked in the dairy department at Smiths, the Smiths in Dayton. <laughs> Uh, for, for, and the, that is not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> I'm sure that was not even in the top ten thousand, Crystal. But uh, no, yeah, and enough so that I was like, did that reenactor? Did he eventually go to work at the Smiths of Dayton? <laughs> the, just the the way the structure of the head and the hair. Yeah, well, maybe you could ask him next time you're in there. Yeah, yeah, he. He left working at Smith's to work at some other grocery store, but I've noticed he's back now in the last couple of years after a, like a decade long hiatus. Uh, only he mm. works in the produce section now. Okay. For whatever that's worth. Anyway, so they they meet in Aspen, Colorado, and I like how Barbara describes that when they first met, Richard came up and he was. Um, kind of really boastful right he's like oh you know trying to make trying to make every you know draw all attention to 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 himself and she described how as soon as he noticed that this was a huge turnoff for her he just mm-hmm. switched gears and was acting really modest and and so forth i i have a lot of quite no i just really have one question yeah about this who does that work on? I don't know because like, I mean, when I approach new people, I'm just usually like right out at the be- beginning. I, I, I make my contempt for them usually pretty well known. So mm-hmm. uh, it's kind mm-hmm. of hard to go back from that. Uh, right. I'm just wondering like, who's, who's the woman who's just like, Oh yeah. Like tell me more about how great you are. <laughs> like that's really, do you know what I mean? The, like that that's not the way to go? Well, I mean, I guess Trump was married three times, is married to his third wife, so it works for somebody. Well, it but, it works uh, if you've got a lot of money behind it. I I dare say that if I had access to the amount of money that he um purports to have I, mm-hmm. I I could probably have a pretty easy time picking up some ladies, right? I mean, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank I, you for I that vote to, of confidence. I, to think, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he also had the thing with he was like he's like totally jacked. Oh yeah, this Richard As, Men's guy. In, in addition yeah. to being yeah. yeah, rich and just like uh, 
really lots of muscles. Um, There's a term um, that we, you know, and Barbara too, like Stack spends a lot of time narrating kind of like who Barbara was yeah. at this time, right? Yeah, she had a, a pre-med she, grad student or something, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she's 24 years younger than uh, than Richard Mintz. There, there was a bit of an age and, disparity. Right. Um, he, uh, Stack also in the narration calls her a beauty queen. And I feel like that term has been thrown around quite a few times in this show. And I'm wondering, is that like an actual designation? Like, I, I, do you have to compete in a beauty pageant and win in order to legally be called a beauty queen? Or is this just like an old timey term for somebody who does some like modeling on the side? Oh, that that's a good point. I mean, there's plenty of people who, you know, might have done some modeling and whatnot. Maybe mm-hmm. in beauty queen, that does kind of seem like something that like if you're from 50 or 60 years ago. Uh, and you know, and a gal had done some some glamour shots in the uh, some magazines, and then she's in some catalogs, and and you know, just like, oh, she's a real beauty queen, right? Yeah. But personally, I feel like that term gets thrown around too much. Like you have to have one a con- like a pageant. I, I to be called intuitively. That. Intuitively, I do agree with your. Your very strict criteria for using that term. Mm-hmm. It's like how we wouldn't. It feels. Mm-hmm. It's like how yeah. we, you know, we, we 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 wouldn't call someone a lawyer unless they had a a, a judicial degree and passed the bar, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of stolen valor. Is what I think. <laughs> totally it is. stolen valor. <laughs> I, I I like that. That's the metaphor you used. Um, but yeah, so. This their relationship follows sort of a similar pattern to a lot that we've seen depicted in the show, where like he basically just lavishes money and stuff on her. I think he's like he he pays for her college and whatnot, and she's living with him. Mm. Uh, and it, it wasn't I guess too long before uh, there was a knock or, or a doorbell ring. I can't remember which one at the door, and Barbara answers it, and there's this woman. <laughs> This woman at the door who is just the stereotypical woman in like a gigantic coat who is the, you know, the wife of someone with a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. she she reveals that she's (laughs) she's uh, she's Richard's uh, wife. And so we get a really reenactment where he comes down there and there's some uh, some disputing going on. And then in the interview, Barbara uh, describes how Richard, he basically, he just, he described it like in some way to try to make himself sound like a hero, right? Like, he's like, Mm -hmm. I love, yeah, I know I lied, but that's just because I love you so much that I, I wanted, I had to lie because I was just, I was, I didn't want to lose you. And, and because I, you're the one who I want to spend my life with and not her. I mean, if it wasn't necessarily those words, that was basically the the message that that was conveyed. And apparently, uh, Barbara uh, uh, found it persuasive. 
So they remained together. And I think, and to compensate her, uh, or, you know, the smooth things over, he bought her like a townhouse and we, and mm-hmm. we get, yeah. we get a reenactment of them entering the townhouse. Um, I've noticed that in a lot of parts in this reenactment, uh, did you notice there was a lot of like sort of light jazz music being played? Yeah, it was very like like the kind of music you'd get in like a crime, like a noir crime. I felt like film. I felt honestly, especially considering that this segment is three quarters of the episode, so there's a lot of like mm-hmm. reenactment parts going on, and so many mm-hmm. of them use that jazz uh, music. I kind mm-hmm. of felt almost like I was watching something that if you expanded it out would actually be could pass for a lifetime network movie. <laughs> you know, funny that you mentioned that because that was the exact vibe I was getting. <laughs> this was like very TV movie of the week. Yes. Um, and here's the thing though, they did there later on this isn't like a spoiler or anything. <laughs> But later on, they interview an author. Yes. Um, in the segment, and she she kind of recorded the whole tale and wrote this book called "Sleeping with the Devil." And eventually, a TV movie was made called "Sleeping with the Devil." Oh, I didn't about the story. <laughs> yes, um, and ca- so you were getting that vibe. It was correct, and I think probably what happened was. I mean, I can verify right now because I looked up this TV movie because I was like, whoa, who was in it? Yeah. Um, and Shannon Doherty was <gasps> Barbara. Shannon Doherty. Oh, wow. Yeah. And. Um, Round one, two, and oh. And then. Uh, Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson. He was he the one who played Richard? Yeah. I think so. He's listed. He's second billing in this. Well, there must be. Wow. I need to check this film out. I'm going to search for uh, it. Let's see what year it came out. So it came out on CBS in 1997. Because what I was thinking was that uh, it like Unsolved Mysteries was featuring this case, this segment, to promote the film. Yeah. But it came out, I think, on a different network several years after <laughs> the segment aired. So, so this is never mind. Well, this is obviously it's more of a um, shameless promotion of the book situation we got going on here, right? Which is suppressing yeah. because it's, it's been a while since we've had one of those happen. I felt mm-hmm. like Unsolved Mysteries had kind of really upped its game eth- ethically, and now yet yeah, we have. I mean, what what's the point of having? It's rude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> just rude. Mm-hmm. Uh and also because we're gonna we're gonna go through this whole tale and then there's basically just not a call to action at the end of it. No. There isn't one. No. So it's just a story. <laughs> it's not really an unsolved mystery. It, so. it really is a story. Um so they very shortly thereafter, Richard's wife, she wants to uh get a divorce and she's gonna get half the money. And he's all stressed out about this, that like he's just he's stress reading a newspaper. I guess there's I guess presumably there's like bad macroeconomic news on like the cover. So it's like just compounding his frustration with how his own personal finances are going. Uh, Barbara does that thing that uh, uh, 
women in these sorts of movies or in this case reenactment do where they try to to offer offer some comforting words to the person under stress and he just explodes on her it's like blah 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 you don't know what you're talking about you know that this isn't being covered in your school and he 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 slaps the newspaper it's like this is economics as if and the way he's the way he said it I, I in my mind i was just like dude i'm sure you know nothing about economics <laughs> what a horrible misuse of that word and anyway he storms off into the kitchen they start having an argument because she is pregnant and he wants her mm-hmm. to get an abortion and she and it's quite uh bizarre how he um requests this <laughs> oh uh what what struck at what what's uh what really uh, stood out but, to you about um there's i mean immediately preceding this is yeah he grabs her by the arms and kind of shoves her a little bit yeah and and then she was just like hey well the reenactor uh, it was like, hey, watch out, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and then um, and then basically the guy playing Richard just starts shouting abort at her. Just the word abort. 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 Like repeatedly. <laughs> right. Like he's trying to like, like call off the mission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that it does seem like that in retrospect now that i think about it <laughs> i just can't i can't i can't Delta imagine team. that that's how that's a no down. go no go ha, situation yeah, is hostile. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just somebody yelling abort abort <laughs> like what okay um yes uh, it, it was yeah the their whole interaction was sort of just strangely written um but yeah, they they are all stressed out. We get an interview with the author who tells us more about what's going on. And then we have a reenactment of Barbara moving out of the townhouse. And not only does she move out, she strips the place bare. Uh, mm-hmm. Every piece of like, because when they walk it, when they first introduce the townhouse, they walk in, you know, there's, there's tables, sofas and whatnot. She has everything taken out. And so we get mm-hmm. this reenactment of Richard walking into the townhouse and, and, and very much in a stereotypical TV movie of the week, like, oh, it's empty. And then that sad jazz music starts playing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I want to I want to interject right here because in the reenactment of when the movers come, uh, it's Barbara's friend is also interviewed mm-hmm. during this time and saying that Barbara was very, you know, flustered. And then Barbara herself um, says the same thing. She's just like, I was just really confused, you know, and then um, we'll get into what happens in a bit with the whole furniture situation. But yeah. She just, this is a sad situation, but Barbara herself seems like very messy. Like she seems to just like kind of like a emotionally, like very messy person. Like, like she's not necessarily making what are tactically the best decisions. 
in a way. Yeah, but I also kind of feel like there's some things specifically later when she says she has receipts for the furniture. Okay. That are not accurate, oh, maybe. Okay, uh, I, I didn't catch on to that, so you'll have to expand on that when we get to the, uh, the appropriate Yeah, point. and it's... And I th- I think it's because during this time she says, oh, I was just, you know, the movers came and I just told them to take everything. And, you know, I just wasn't thinking clearly. I was just so upset. And then later on, she tries to kind of like retcon that one. And she was like, well, I paid for it. It's my furniture. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. You know, I do admit, I, do, I, I will confess that I did sort of in my mind, I, it did kind of feel like a running theme throughout this segment was she was hell bent on keeping some of that furniture. Yeah. And I mean, just the couch they used in the reenactment didn't seem like something <laughs> you should hold on that tightly to. That's just my taste. But... That's not going to be the hill, hill you die on. <laughs> no. Okay. No, but I'm also like, the... here's the other thing. And I'm not I'm not saying she wasn't, you know, psychologically manipulated to this point or in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. But I, my experience and understanding is that when you are trying to get out of a bad situation, yeah, you get you just get out any way that you can. So this idea of like, well, I'm going to take all the furniture, you know, if you're trying to bail, you usually just bail. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And uh I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not casting any doubt that she was abused or that Richard is awful. I'm just saying, like, there's just certain things about this that don't really add up on her end. Yeah. With her behavior either. Yeah. Because, yeah, this furniture comes back to, like, bite her numerous times. This whole furniture thing is <laughs> the, really the core of the uh, segment. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the it's the theme that ties it all together. Um so yeah, I guess, you know, you know Richard was upset uh, but he he was like persistently through uh other people trying to get a hold of Barbara and be like, "Hey, we need to talk and and get this thing figured out." So they agree to meet. Barbara goes to his hotel room, but he's not there. So we have a reenactment mm-hmm. that starts out with the actress paying Barbara, uh, just sort of sitting on the the floor in front of the hotel room, like she'd been there for hours. And I can't help mm-hmm. but feel, surely, like, I mean, depending on how upscale this this establishment is, surely somebody may have was going to complain at the front desk about that. Like, Hey, there's this woman who's just sitting out in the hallway. I don't even think she's a guest here. Can you, can you do something about that? Uh, I, I just, it just, it seems interesting that she didn't get harassed. Uh, although maybe she did. And it's just not depicted on in the reenactment, but anyway, she's waiting there. And then, Richard shows up. He's walking down the hallway, but he's in the company of another lady. And I, were you confused? Because this woman looked exactly like the actress playing Barbara. <laughs> I didn't understand what was happening. I I had to rewind it and rewatch it a couple of times. It was an interesting situation because I was really, I too was like trying to figure out what the pieces are here. Because it's like, okay, well he had her meter here. Uh, for a meeting, but now he's showing up with a date 
And then he acts like surprised that when she like appears um, and, and is really upset and he's trying to get her not to leave. And, you know, we get another uncomfortable depiction of him, like forcefully holding on to her. Right. And then um, and then he said he said some stuff that like he's like, no, I wanted I wanted you here. And to, to, we uh, and it's just you know, it's not really clear what, what all the stammering equates to, but I kind of was like, at one point I was like, wait, wait, was, did he ask her to meet him there? And then he brought this date because he wanted to have a three-way? Yeah, and then because of what this ends up being, I don't even know why that woman was there. Right, because... At all. Like, why would he? Sh- why would he show up with her? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean... Because what, what happens next? Because, well, yeah, because, okay, well, he's like, you know, he's like, oh, oh, he convinces Barbara to stay, and they go in the hotel room to talk, and the woman gets the, gets to take a hike, and, you know, they, they have, you know, a couple of minutes of conversation, and the only, the only way that this makes sense to me is if the woman that he, he was with was not so much, like, a sexual acquaintance that he was bringing up to, up to the hotel room and more just a part of his plan. Cause the, mm-hmm. the police show up within minutes. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess, you know, he's got this, this, this warrant out on her for uh, what was stealing his furniture. Was that, was that what the warrant was for? Yeah. Yeah. It was for stealing the furniture. And, so because Richard is the pettiest bitch alive. That's why. Yeah. So the the police show up and that woman is in the background, like standing in the doorway to the room. And so in my mind, once that all happened, I was like, OK, she was not someone he was bringing up for a sexual encounter at all. He was in on her. He She was in on his plan that he was going to have her uh, Barbara arrested and so when they met up at the the hotel room, this woman would go downstairs to the lobby or whatever and call the police. Um, that's that's what I I because the way she's standing in the hallway is sort of just like this matter of fact, like, well, I've just done my part of this, whatever it is. Uh, then. She so Barbara's in jail, and then I didn't even realize this is a th- thing. The uh, a police detective comes in t- to talk with her, and he's basically like, "Hey, I have this document that that Richard guy uh, had uh, composed, where it was like, it was basically he would drop all the charges on her if she agreed to write this, sign this thing that like they were." That she didn't know him and they weren't in a relationship. And I guess, you know, ostensibly that that's all that's all for like that. Thus, he's not responsible for her kid or something. Yeah, I guess I didn't really understand yeah. that. Yeah. So and she's not she's not interested in, 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 in having any of it. And like, I guess the detective. Well, I think it's he's not responsible because he yelled abort at her at least three times. Right. Right, exactly. Uh, he he met the, the prescribed number of times. You know? <laughs> God. Uh, 
and and this document that the the detective is, is waving in front of her like the detective then mentions like are you sure you don't want to sign it because he actually like has some money in here for you um which i i, I guess you, you know was probably in his mind was like trying to throw a financial incentive in there so that should, you know to make to make her more interested in signing it but barbara just won't have any of it so <laughs> So she stays in jail um, and she gets charged with like a felony, right? Because, well, I mean, because there's, there's the theft and then for, for swatting her purse at Richard when they confronted each other in the hotel hallway. Is, is that what happened? Yeah. Like when, when they, when she confronted him in the hallway, oh, she, she yeah. sort of like, you know, she, at least in the reenactment, it's kind of depicted like the, the way you would see in you probably in so many other movies where a woman will have her purse and she'll just sort of like whack the, the, the guy on the side with it or, or something like uh, more as an expression of being upset than with a, an intention to hurt. But uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, cops are, are made of uh, jello. So, you know, they bruise pretty easy. Mm hmm. She ends up losing the baby f- through a miscarriage uh, very shortly mm-hmm. thereafter this. And the show emphasizes to us that she shared this knowledge with her doctors, but not with Richard. So Richard is still under the impression that she is pregnant at this point. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, just uh, this is where I start to get vague. Like she moved to Houston after this. Do I? No, they were already lived in. They already lived in. Houston. Oh, they lived in Houston. Okay, she got a new place yeah. in Houston then, and pretty soon, uh, she's visited by law enforcement again, and Richard shows up with like movers, <laughs> and, he, mm-hmm. and he just starts having them move out all of, all of the furniture, uh, yeah. and you know, at, in classic douchebag manner. Uh, just has the furniture put away into storage because he doesn't actually need it. He's just taking mm-hmm. it to to deprive her of it. Yeah, he's the he's the well at the time he was the pettiest bitch alive. Yeah, um, and he tries to get her to sign those papers again, uh, so so that she won't sue him for anything, and she still refuses to sign. Um, so I, I guess. I mean, at, at what, Crystal? At what point would you have just signed those papers? If, um, well, I mean, here's the thing: I wouldn't have taken the furniture. Well, yeah, okay. I guess you would. You would have. So basically, you would have averted the, <laughs> a lot of this pretty early on. Right. I would have. I mean, I would have if I was trying to extradite myself from a situation with somebody that volatile. Yeah. I would have just taken what you know, my clothing and whatever I could pack in a suitcase. Your, your, your truly personal items. Yeah. yeah. And I would have just left and I wouldn't have, I, I, you, I would have gone to a friend's house or just maybe gone away for a little while somewhere safe, maybe to a family member's house. I don't know, but I wouldn't have given that person any reason to have any further contact with me. Yeah. Yeah. Or leverage over Leverage, me. yeah. So she won't sign the papers, and then we get a reenactment of her going into a donut store in Houston, uh, I guess in the middle of the night. Uh, 
to get an apple fritter. And I, I very much approve of her choice of donuts here. Mm-hmm. Oh man, <laughs> apple fritters. Uh, like even if like even if I'm not in the mood for donuts, I I will be in the mood for an apple fritter. That that is just a totally different beast from from your conventional donut. Oh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and man the. The person working the counter at this donut shop has quite a lot of facial hair. More than I would necessarily mm-hmm. be comfortable with with someone making baked goods, but uh he he takes her order and as she's walking as she goes out in the car t- uh, to her car, uh, another car pulls up and she says that she she knew immediately what was going to happen. And uh, like, as soon as she gets in her car, a guy gets out of uh, the passenger side of this car that pulled up and uh, proceeds to shoot her several times, Uh, Mm -hmm. which uh, she survives, though uh, uh, she suffers from some paralysis. And Mm -hmm. then we get, we basically get a... a, a, a series of reenactments of the, the police sort of trying to to pursue the trail of um, layer after layer uh, of what what obviously was a Richard or, or orchestrated operation like the the two guys they pick up uh, I, I ivory and steam um, they mm-hmm. were just yeah that's yeah right. uh, they were just basically hired just to do the job. And they were hired by like there was a a middle layer, this guy named Dudley Bell, right? Who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he uh, he it was his vehicle that was being used, and he was sort of the middleman. And I guess they were they were clued in to him from like a bo- former bodyguard of Richards, who they have this reenactment where they're just sitting in the car talking about the case. And the guy, this former bodyguard, basically just like he leads the the cops through one of those things where they have to guess that every step, instead of him just telling them what the information is, uh, it mm-hmm. reminds me of um, when I took a journalism one on one class at UNR. Uh, the instructor he worked at the Reno Gazette Journal at the time, and he was relating this experience he had where someone in like local government or whatnot called him to like tip him off to something. But instead of just telling him what it was, he was like, uh, he, 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 he made, he, he was trying to be all like deep throat about it. So he's like, uh-huh. so, so the, 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 the Reno Gazette journal guys like, well, what's, so what, what does this pertain to exactly? And the guy's like, I'll give you a clue. It, you're looking at it right now. Uh, c- c- computers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, was there? Is there any reason? Like, ha- does making someone guess the answer to something does that does that have a different legal weight than just telling them what it is? <laughs> okay, are do you get out of like non-disclosure agreements <laughs> by doing stuff like that? It, it, we're, we're, I mean, it's almost like, uh, did you ever see the movie Not Quite Human? 
Mm-mm. No, I haven't. It was seen a it. Disney film. Basically, Alan Thicke is the scientist who makes a teenage son uh, robot. They had a sequel, not quite Human Two, uh, and that has you know more robots involved, including a a robot made to look like Alan Thicke by uh, by whoever the antagonist of the movie was, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character, the the you know the uh, the teenage robot and his companions and whatnot, they they corner the Alan Thick bot and they're like, "Where's my dad?" And the Alan Thick bot's like, "I can't. My programming won't allow me to tell you where he is, but I can point point in what direction he is." And he points, and it mm-hmm. and then starts walking, and we have to then cut to. They're out along a sidewalk, a road somewhere, and the Alan Thick robot is walking on the sidewalk, pointing to the direction <laughs> they are. And it's just like, it feels like that sort of level of like obtuse semantics to try to twist around stuff. Anyway, this isn't a, a podcast <laughs> about Disney directed television movies. Uh, no, it's a podcast about. Um, other kinds of television movies. Yeah. Lifetime. <laughs> so Yeah, or CBS, I or guess. CBS, is yeah. the one that did this one. Uh so yeah, so they I'm trying to remember the order of events here, because it gets really, really messy. Like they they do arrest Dudley Bell, but they never right. arrest Richard on it, right? Uh, no, they don't even question him. They also arrest the guy whose car it was. It wasn't Dudley Bell's car that pulled up. It was this other guy. Oh, okay. Robert Anderson. Oh, you're right. You're right. I, I was mistaken. Yes. Robert. Yeah. And Anderson had said that he had, he, that Bell, Bell, who was Richard's private detective, had hired Anderson. So, like, these Ivory and Steen guys, um, were the ones who did actually did the shooting and they were just like some guys off the street or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like Richard is like three layers removed from the actual shooting here. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so Barbara, like her without justice really being served in this capacity, she actually pursues Richard. Uh, well, at he was still trying to hit nail her for the furniture, but she yes. got out of it because there was a technicality with the 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 warrant search warrant. Something uh-huh. wasn't done right, so the thing was just dropped. Which she mm-hmm. uh, she she voiced how disappointed she was. She wasn't able to prove that she was innocent. Which I mean, I I get the idea she's conveying there, but at the same time, isn't it? quicker and cheaper just for it to just be dismissed in that way rather than have to go through an entire trial where you're paying an attorney. Okay. This is why I'm saying Barbara is kind of a mess. First of all, she took the furniture instead of just making a clean exit when she had the chance. Second of all, she wouldn't just sign the paper. Uh Who cares? Do you want this person? I get, you know, she does say that she was still kind of in love with him up until the point of her getting shot, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that is something. Third, she never tells Richard that she miscarried. So she's obviously like wanting to like retain some leverage over him. Right. In that way. Yeah. 
And then fourth, like she's complaining she didn't get to have her day in court, but like the case was dismissed. Yeah. In her favor. Yeah. So like she's just she's fucking messy. Like this lady is messy. You know what I'm saying? When you lay them out like that, point after point after point, it really does become clear. Yeah, that she she is definitely as (laughs) as you say, messy. Uh, Yeah, just a messy situation. Um, so she actually starts pursuing Richard in civil court over the shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, um, Richard's, uh, uh, the, the two guys, Ivory and Steen and then Bell, they actually end up going to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Barbara, she, she gets like awarded like what? A 50 million thing for a wrongful injury. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, the, it's like a lot of money. Yeah, though naturally she does she she doesn't actually ever end up seeing any of it. Um, Richard, he he what he flees the country. Yep. Yeah. Like immediately after he's getting sued yeah. by her, yeah, he leaves the country. Operating out of Switzerland, pur- uh, purporting to be mm-hmm. an international tax specialist. And unsolved mystery, <laughs> unsolved mysteries mentions that he's been seen in Texas, London. Uh, what were the other two locations? Um, like Luxembourg and Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah. Uh, so we, uh, you know, he kind of disappears out of the story at that point. But uh, Barbara actually, I guess she ends up falling in love and marrying her rehabilitation doctor uh, per- okay it's <laughs> <laughs> yes but also she changes her name yeah to Janny smith Janny smith um so uh she begins rehabilita- re- rehabilitation with this dr gerald petrovsky yeah which 100% sounds like a made-up name to me, but whatever. <laughs> um, I guess it's this guy's name. And so it's not even, like, he, it's not even rehabilitation. What they start, what their work, they work on together is they're experimenting with, with something that sends electronic signals. It's also, they're also, like, leg braces, but it's something that sell, sends electronic signals to Barbara's legs to, like, push her forward. Yeah. Um, so there's some really kind of hmm, questionable scenes, I will say, mm. uh, cause I don't want to step in it, but questionable scenes of her with this sort of device on and she's walking with a walker, um, sort of unsteadily. Uh, but it, it the, the other interstitials show her in her, um, her wheelchair. Yeah. Like playing sports and stuff. So, I mean, she's still like pretty athletic, but she's. But also, I don't know. So the guy who makes her, who made her these like animatronic legs, basically, she ends up marrying him. Yeah. Okay. Again, mess. <laughs> mess. You're, you're <laughs> suggesting that marrying uh, your your physician or uh, any anyone in, who's providing you a, a service is probably not the the best course of action, because I definitely. Uh, I, I didn't realize when I first watched this segment that he was her doctor. And then when I rewatched. Yes. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of. I mean, aren't you supposed to not 
bang your patients or something? Or is that... Yeah, you're really not supposed to do that. Yeah. I mean, I assume before they got married or started a romantic relationship, he kind of recused himself of being her doctor. But the fact remains, like, Unsolved Mysteries is very clear that they're working on this sort of, like, cure for paralysis or whatever they're doing together. And that they actually started some kind of, like, biotech company together. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Just mm, that mm, that feels yucky. But going from doctor patient to, like, mm, I don't know. Mess. messy. Mess. Mess. <laughs> what a mess. Um, so we, uh, and I just want to say, like, because she, she moved to Ohio, right? Uh, they have a, a scene where she's, uh, she's, um, she's out, uh, out, out on a, in, in a wheelchair going through a park or whatever. And you get a, mm-hmm. a cityscape yeah. in the background. Yeah, that was like that was that scene really struck stuck out to me. I was like, um, what city do you think it was? Did they say Cleveland? Why do I think it was Cleveland? Well, I mean, if I had to guess a city in Ohio, I would guess Cleveland. Right. I mean, because what Mm -hmm. what are the alternatives? Cincinnati, which which has bigger buildings or or more people? I I would assume Cleveland. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll just say it's Cleveland, which if it is Cleveland, <laughs> it looks really nice. Uh, much, yeah. Especially since this was like 30 years ago. I was like, whoa, that that's like an ultra modern city. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a step, just a step below being one of those like future city landscapes mm-hmm. in, a, in a movie. Just just a step. Below. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm reading the wiki, and I guess she started rehabilitation in 1983, and then she didn't get married to Dr. Petrovsky until 1991. Oh, okay, so it's, it's plausible so, they, they did their professional stuff together, and then maybe, like, a right. few years later they connected or something. That's yeah. a little less messy, right? Uh, uh. Which, um... Not that Gerald Petrovsky is, because we get to see their wedding video, and he's not a hottie. Um, I'm sure he's a very nice man. Yeah. But uh, have you ever have you ever had a hot doctor situation? Um. Hmm. Let's see here. Person who took out my appendix was not someone I was not a gender I was attracted to. I don't think I've ever had any hot female doctors uh, come through my 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 life. Hmm. 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 Not. Not. I mean, certainly, I don't think there's nothing that sticks out in my mind where, uh, uh, like, a memory of like, oh man, it'd be so hot just to have sex right here in this office. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I guess that's not really what I was asking. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, can you can, can I just, you read? I just mean like, have, have you noticed that like a doctor was attractive? Where you're like, oh, this is a hot doctor situation. Oh, uh... not like I'm trying to like fuck this doctor. <laughs> just <laughs> I guess uh, I guess it's interesting. And my mind went there. Um... Uh huh. Well, you are a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I... N n uh, the doctor who took out my appendix, I'm not going to say that he was uh, mm -hmm. a handsome man so much. Uh, yeah. So I guess this really doesn't answer your question that way. I was just going to say he kind of, he looked like Anthony Edwards from ER. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I felt, I, I felt, uh, I felt definitely at ease when he came in. He's like, okay, you, you know, drew like put a marker thing on my stomach. It's like, we're going to go do this and da da da. And you know, well, we'll, we'll uh, this, uh, this should just take care of this whole situation right here. He seemed very professional, uh, had a pretty good bedside manner. And uh, I mean, I'm still alive. So obviously, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, he knew what he was that's doing. really great. Yeah. So he was, he was kind of like sexy in his own way. Cause he was like good at being a doctor. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that's probably a good way to describe it. Yes. Yes. I mean, professional competence can be very attractive. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess he, he meets that requirement. So, yes, I was able to provide you an example. Hmm. There you go. Th thank you. Um, so, all that's left in this segment is we get an update at the end. And Richard Mins was apprehended. Uh, what was it at? at? At an airport or something, right? Um, and he was sentenced to four months in prison for passport fraud. Yep, <laughs> that's what he got. Uh, um, the wiki says he's still alive as of 2020, and now he lives in Israel. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was one of the other places that he he'd been seen a lot. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and uh, Janny, Janny Smith. Now, uh, she didn't actually get any of that money that uh, that she was awarded, right? So, nope, not a dime. So there you go. Um, I guess it. Uh, things didn't end too horribly for her. She got married, um, to a guy who seems about a lot nicer than Richard, maybe. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Crystal, what did you think of the segment of this lifetime, um, or this lifetime movie of the week? Yeah, for a, for a lifetime or a CBS movie of the week, it was quite good. Um, for an unsolved mystery, I kept waiting. I was like, every time there was like a break, like where there would have been a commercial, I'm like, okay, I'm moving on to the next segment. Oh no, we're not. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kept waiting for it to be like, what's the, you know, for Stack to come in and be like, okay, and we're looking for, you know, Richard Minns is six foot tall with blonde hair, and he's, you know. And then asking for someone to call in if they spotted him. And Stack, in a very roundabout way, does that. He says, okay, these are known places where he's been spotted. Yeah. But they're not actually looking for him. It didn't feel like so, it. Yeah. No. So, um, I mean, I guess they were looking forward for him so he could give, like, a deposition or at least they could track him down financially, but it seems like he moved all of his money overseas. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't touch that. Um, I mean, this guy is really just the pettiest bitch alive and Barbara's just a huge mess. Like, I don't know. There's just messy people, <laughs> her relationship together and it didn't work out and it got really awful. 
I've and now Barbara can't walk. I've se- so. seen similar things in my life, so I guess that's that, that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, happens. You got a petty, yeah. crazy guy. You got a woman who's a mess. You put them together, and it just makes a bad situation. Yeah. So. Yes. Let's talk about <laughs> Lost Heirs. It's been a while since we had a segment about someone just, just scrolling money away in a sock. Yeah, it sure has. And uh, so we're going to we're going to go to where are we going? Portland, Portland Oregon. Like this is in Portland, Oregon. Yay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is a this is going to be a bummer. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, so we're going to talk about Catherine Bennett, um, who meets another, well, she meets a soldier in 1941 named Gilbert Bennett. Uh, and then they, as people do get married, um, and then they move to Portland and they have a very happy life together. They never have any children. Um, a lot of, uh, we get, I think most of the talking heads in this are estate lawyers and maybe like (laughs) The coroner or something? Uh, I think I don't know that I we I think we have a sibling of her deceased husband, maybe. Okay, yeah. okay. Because oh that's who's telling us the story about how like they don't really know where Catherine came, came from. from. Yeah. Like she didn't talk about her family. They never met anyone from her side of the family. You know, I'm sure Catherine had her reasons. Yeah. Okay. So if, but anyway. if we've learned anything from watching this show up to this point. It's that a lot of people in the 1930s and 40s had a lot of things to hide and, and yeah. just didn't want to talk about them. I mean, the story, the story is that Catherine um, said she had been raised in an orphanage, but like, who, who, who knew about that? Pl- plausible, so, um, plausible, seeing as how many kids ended up in orphanages. <laughs> yeah. orphanages. But, but yeah, like you say, who knows whether that was the truth. Right. So um, in 1980, after they'd been married for 38 years, Gilbert, unfortunately, Gilbert, her husband, uh, passed away. And over time, um, Gilbert's family kind of lost contact with Catherine. And so the way that Stack introduces Catherine is sort of this hermit that lived alone and wore men's clothing and kept to herself and yeah. didn't let anyone in her house. The and, segment opens with but, this description about how every town... Has this mm-hmm. sort of person who, you know, just sort of is a recluse. They stay inside. They really only come yep. out to, to get the to get the mail. And I realize mm-hmm. that they're describing me. <laughs> you still have a job and stuff that you go to. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. But <laughs> I, I, I um, but I. <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah, every town or every neighborhood. I mean, I happen to live next door to a very similar situation as that. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, like, it's, uh, I mean, I don't want to reveal too many details, but it's a husband and wife. And the husband we see coming and going all the time because he's got to go to work and stuff. And I've he's perfectly nice and we've chatted with him. But everyone in the neighborhood knows that, like, the wife never comes out of the house. Uh. And... In the t- three years, I've lived here for two over two years. I've been coming to this house for three years. In three years, I've seen her once. And I think Dave has seen her one time. And he's lived in this house for like six years. Right. 
So, and I mean, like everyone in the neighborhood like knows. So it's like Stack said, you know, there's, you know who the house is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a sad situation and people like to gossip to me and Dave being like, oh, it's too bad about next door. And it's like, it's, you know what? It's fine. They're quiet. They keep to themselves. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Stop talking shit. As long as 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 they're not creating a mess, who cares? No. And there's not, no. I mean, kind of, but like a little bit. But there's not like, they're not like attracting vermin or anything to their home. So it's, it's fine. Yeah, so uh yeah. <laughs> moving on. Um yeah, so so anyway, um there's uh about ten, uh, 10 years go by and then Catherine as well passes away at the age of 80. Um so they couldn't the Department of Oregon, I don't know which department, just the Department <laughs> of Oregon. Uh fi- financial something or other or, or yeah. Yeah, um <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm referring to the to the wiki for the details. Oh, do they? Do uh, they they, they don't stuff? have the whole whole name. They just put Department no, of Oregon. It just says Department of Oregon. Oh, good God. Um. So the Department of Oregon <laughs> representatives go to Catherine's house because they can't. Um. There's no uh paperwork or anything to to locate. Um relatives when she passes away and they and they go into the home and then they you know one of the talking heads is one of the people that had been into the home and you know it was just like a really classic like hoarding situation yeah i mean obviously they they had to make make a in the reenactment make a they did their best to you know give it a hoarding feel i mean this is not on a scale of one to ten this is not what you see on hoarders which is a ten this is what, a, like a, a, mm. a three, four situation? Yeah, I think for the sake of the reenactors, well, it's a three or four. But what the, the Department of Oregon representative describes is like walking in and instantly being covered in fleas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's true. Yeah, the, the reenactment is probably a lot more sanitized than the, the real situation. Yes. Uh, yeah, they said you could just feel them crawling up you as soon as you walked in. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah. Um, so they go into the home to try and find a will or any information, basically. And they do find social security checks. They find some rare coins, money from bank accounts, and then the, and then the house itself. And so all of that put together, they assume her estate is worth. And are you sitting down, Robbie? Are you ready for what her whole estate is worth? I'm ready. $125,000. That's right. Woo. That is uh, that's a big payday there. Um, who's gonna win it? Yep, yep. Who's gonna win? Um, so without a will, uh, the law says the estate goes to her closest surviving relative, but because again, like no one knows where she came from or who her family is or even really what her real name is. Uh Um, so, uh, the whole thing about the orphanage kind of falls apart too, because yeah, they they try to like from it, here on out, they try to like use what pieces they have to try to f- construct. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're right. Like it, it turns there's there, there's like two different stories about who she could be, and they they both have sort of holes in them, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of confusion with names mm-hmm. too. 
So uh, they find that her mother um, had was still alive at the time of her marriage. So on the marriage certificate, I think this is what it's referring to. Um, it shows that her mother is married to someone named Joseph Fabak. Okay. Um, and it also states that she has a brother named Martin Juratovich. And then, so I guess Catherine, before she was married, before she was Catherine Bennett, was going by Juratovich. But then um, in the family Bible... Right, right. There's a different Gilbert's name family Bible. in she, there. Yeah, it was a different name. Right. So, um, anyway, so the Department of Oregon is trying to locate any <laughs> living heirs. Uh, and uh, uh, this this segment just sort of wraps up with um, we get a text update that they found some really distant relative of hers, right? And he got. Right, and then mm-hmm. he got he got his he got his slice of the estate, and mm-hmm. then uh, the state of Oregon got the rest. <laughs> yes. The end. <laughs> and that was our episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Two segments. Um, we- yeah, that's uh, that was it. Guys, it was just one really long segment, and then this. There were some, yeah, there were the updates, but we don't, we don't stuff, talk about stuff updates. that we'd already seen. Um, yeah. So, um, well, hey, you guys, uh, if you would like to send us an email about your shitty small town stories, um, we want to hear from you. You have yet to have done this. Also, I want... Oh, it's at reenactedpod at gmail.com. I should give the email address. Um, also, I want to thank... We have two two new Patreons. What? We have two new Patreons since the last time we recorded this podcast. Two. Who are, who are these fools? Um, well, one of them is our uh, beloved card daddy, Bill Tilly. What? Is one of them. And then the other one, I don't remember. But thank you. <laughs> For, for doing that that's amazing we'll get your name um, we'll and get I, your name read out on the next well, we will we'll 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 get it right i'm sorry it's just not right in front of me um and so thank you so much for doing that i know times are really tough right now for most of us and so um that money will be going to help uh repair robbie's recording studio did i mention i'm moving in like two weeks Oh, where are you moving to? I found a room out in Silver Springs, uh, which uh, for those who who followed at home about me living in Dayton, Silver Springs is just like a hill over. Um, okay, yeah. okay. Well, that's is that good? Yeah. I this, well, I won't have to rely on a, a portable heater to keep my my uh, my living area warm. Uh, all utilities mm. included, and great. Uh, the there is going to be more. I think. I think there's Wi-Fi is going to be involved in this setup as well, so I will be able to Fantastic. do more stuff for the pod on. on behalf wonderful, of the pod. Yeah. wonderful. So, so the uh, so the Patreon money will be defraying some of those costs, <laughs> hopefully. Um. That's great news. Okay. Also, we're on we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. We're Twitter. on Twitter. We're on Twitter sometimes. I try to check in, yeah. but then I just forget that it exists. <laughs> so, 
yeah at reenacted pod um there's the fan group page thingy over on um the societal ill that is facebook if you're over there oh my god <laughs> and then of course um if you want to become a, a rumper or a patreon and and support the pod uh it's uh patreon.com slash reenacted pod if you want to jump in and do like a monthly thing to help us keep the lights on over here in Stackland. yes yes was that about it? Is that the usual? That's what I got. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That's. Oh, well, uh, and uh, rate and review on iTunes, of course. See. Thank you so much. Everyone who has gone and done that. Give um, us five stars. And... Yeah. Or just don't. Or just don't review <laughs> us. <laughs> um, but thank you everyone to everyone who has done that. That's been incredible. So I, I guess that's it. Robbie, I, until next time, huh? You're going to do the thing? Oh, yeah. Um, for every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you.